may not have a film fixation, but we're here for a noir education. Beebidi-boo, doot-doodle-doo, dee-ba-da-pow. Welcome to A Real Education Noir. I am Melissa, and this is my co-host... Wendy! And we are sadly without Allie this week because Allie... Is sick. Is sick. And And, so she's keeping her germs away. Which, seriously, people, have good germ... Germ etiquette. Yes. Have good germ etiquette. Germicate. Germicate? Germicate? Germicate. Germicate. I like it. Germicate. Everybody, have good germicate. Thank you. So, uh, <laughs> so today we are going to head over to the Heights and see Possessed. Now, to be clear, this is the 1947 version of Possessed, not the 1931 version of Possessed, both of which star Joan Crawford, oddly uh, enough. But one of them has Clark Gable. That's not this one. That's not this one. This one. This one has Van Heflin. <laughs> this one has Van Heflin. And um, Raymond Massey. Raymond Massey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yes, and uh, directed by Curtis Bernhardt, who gave us uh, such joys as uh, Miss Sadie Thompson, which we mentioned last week because it was written by the guy who wrote last week's movie. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see this. Yeah. I haven't seen it, actually. Well, and... Um, and and Wendy hasn't seen it either. No. Allie was supposed to be our, our guided tour host this time. She and, had seen it? Yeah, yeah. Allie oh. had seen it. She had seen the greatness of Joan Crawford in this movie. But sadly, she is not here. So we are adrift. But we will no longer be after we see the movie. It's true. And I'm so glad that we have The Heights to help us in this. Oh, yes. Um, the Heights we- website describes the film as... Joan Crawford roams the streets and shuffles from mink to mental institutions in this fun and stylish noir which ultimately leads to murder. Be sure not to miss this very rare screening. So apparently this is not a film that gets shown often, even though she got... Did she win the award? I think she got nominated. She got nominated for the Oscar for mm-hmm. this. So we're we're very excited to see Joan Crawford being her all Joan Crawfordiness. I feel like she was made to do noir. Did she do a lot of noir? She she did a few. She did a few. I mean, just that face, one right? Of my, it was made for shadows. Well, yeah, and um, one of my favorite... Well, she's really good at playing that hard-lined woman. Oh, and, yeah. She's a she's woman just, who looks mm, like she lives hard. She's steely. She's yes. very steely. And um, one of my most favorite, it's not a noir, but it's a Western noir. It is a it is a Western film, but its plot is very noir. It's called Johnny Guitar, and it stars Joan Crawford alongside uh, Mercedes McCambridge. And I'm sure we're going to get to that at some point. Oh, yeah. But that's not what we're watching tonight. We're going to go see Possessed, guys. So you should also track down Possessed and watch it. So we're going to cut now, come back and talk about it after, which uh, conveniently gives you a pause point for you to go seek it out and watch it yourselves. And we'll see you after the break. Hooray! And we're back. And we're back. Oh my god, that was that was a thing. That, um, yeah. Okay, so on the drive back, yeah. Melissa and I were talking in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, I my expectations of noir have been 
shaped profoundly by the noir that I have seen, which has now apparently just been one small subset. And that subset has been more about the art of the con or mm. about the setup. And so I find myself expecting twists or betrayals or other things. So like I was expecting in this movie, maybe she was totally being gaslighted um, mm -hmm. or maybe it was all a setup. And then I'm like, no, I don't think that's what this movie is. No, no. This is a psychological thriller. It is. In the, in the truest sense of the word, because it it's all about poor Joan, her psychosis. <laughs> I never thought I'd say poor Joan, but she did. <laughs> I can see why she got the nomination, because she managed to make me believe she was vulnerable, which I never thought I'd say really about Joan Crawford. Well, whatever happened to baby Jane, she... Oh, I yeah, yeah. She was pretty phenomenal playing a victim. And yeah, Baby it's Jane. just that her but, face is yeah. so strong. And we talked about that in the car, too, about how she would just be so soft and open and look, I mean, honestly, pretty mm -hmm. and and sweet. And then, oh, then the crazy switch would flip. <laughs> And, and her jaw and her lips and her eyebrows would all turn on and suddenly mm, she's she looks crazy and she looks more like Joan Crawford. <laughs> yeah, the um, since this is a movie that is a little harder to track down, let's briefly recap, you know, do like a 20 minute recap. But let's, Sorry, let's yeah, do yeah. a few, few minutes of recap. So so the plot in the movie, we start out with a catatonic woman wandering the streets of Los Angeles going, are you David? Are you David? And, you know, asking a random passerby and she winds up walking into coffee shop and she goes, are you David? Are, are you sick, young lady? And she's she's like, uh-huh, you know, just like a slightest nod. And then, you know, she's being put into an ambulance. She gets taken to the hospital. Um, and then there's this beautiful shot of being taken into the yeah, hospital. That was a nice shot. Like a, like a set of weird transitions where you, you see the the ceiling of the ambulance pass and then the the As the if ceiling. it's all from her point of view on the gurney on being the gurney. rolled. Yeah. It's a really and, nice shot. And so she gets put in the hospital. They don't know what her name is. Doctor comes in, gives her some medicine. She starts talking a little bit. Soon, you know, they start unraveling her past and it turns out she is this woman who was jilted by a former lover, um, played by Van Heflin. The David that she's been the wandering David, around. David who and you know, they had they had this like sweet kind of you love affair dalliance. dalliance and she was more into it than he was he dumps her and she's not having any of that and he goes no really you're dumped and she you know weeps and and goes and off she the does night. the thing that i think all of us have done at one point or another probably in our early 20s where oh yeah we get we get dumped and we're like couldn't we just or please and i'll do anything and hey. and then and then she and then it gets clingy to the point of creepy and he's like no so, you know, kind of rightfully yeah. so, you know, like you can kind of see that. I mean, he's kind of being a playboy jerk a little bit at her, but he, it's very definitely, he's very clear with her. No, this, this is ending here. So he's doing his part to be he's clear. He's being very honest and she continues to be clingy and he turns yeah. kind of a jerk and that's not necessarily nice, but you kind of can't blame him. Mm -hmm. And then, so she goes back to her job, which is just across the lake 
as a nurse for uh, this woman who, who is, is mentally, mentally Ill, Ill and her husband who's fine but you know she's she's serving the woman the woman eventually jumps in the lake and commits suicide and then um, so she's she has gonna... kind of a guilt complex about that because they had a tempestuous relationship and then you know about a year passes and eventually the husband who has been keeping her around you know asks her to marry him but his daughter's not having any of that because his daughter thinks joan crawford killed her mother but then you know joan crawford wins the daughter over and everything's fine for a little while and all through all this joan crawford is starting to have like hallucinations hearing things that aren't there seeing things that aren't there and and um, just and, being uh, really overly like emotional and stressed about things yeah yeah and it, and it's subtle at first it's get a little gets a little pronounced and then and the um the ex-boyfriend shows up as like the architect boy that her husband has hired and uh so he comes back into joan crawford's life and that kind of tips off a little bit more in Joan Crawford's brain. She gets a little weirder around him, and well, the yeah, the she, she the starts... climactic scene is he comes back, yeah, and they end up alone, and she starts kind of attack. First, she asks for a kiss, mm -hmm. and she gets like barely a peck, and she's unhappy about that, and then she starts attacking him, and he's like, "Hey, um, this is why I didn't want to be around you," and then he leaves, and she tells. The boss, mm -hmm. I I quit. Mm -hmm. I need to leave. I'm tired of this life. Yeah. I and it honestly, it's a fairly healthy response to the situation because she says in her voiceover, I stayed in the job because I knew that sooner or later I would probably see David. And if I left the job, I would never see him again. Right. So I stayed in the job knowing that this man is his boss and he'll show up. And so I stayed because I knew I'd see him. And now I did and it didn't go well. And maybe I should just leave and cut my losses. And that's when the boss is all like, but I kind of want you to marry me. Which is really out of... <laughs> kind of out of left field. Really out of left field and a little bit creepy. And then she says yes and he goes to kiss her and she turns her cheek and it's so she's, sad. But, but she's like, I, I haven't gotten used to it yet, which is totally fair because it comes out yeah. of left field it totally does so they you know that's when they get married and you know uh ex-boyfriend guy keeps coming in every once in a while you know well he he's comes to the wedding he comes to the wedding to mooch some food and he runs into the daughter and and he and the daughter have a meet cute which is kind of creepy and uh you know not they don't think it's creepy but we think it's creepy because that's creepy because that because that is now the stepdaughter of your crazy ex that you know is crazy which which means he does not have a whole lot of brain cells to rub yeah, against and he because it doesn't have yeah. a leg to stand on about i want you to stay away from me when you start pursuing the stepdaughter yeah. of your crazy ex yeah so it, stuff keeps going on in joan crawford's head and we see her hallucinations and her machinations get a little bit worse and worse and it there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens but eventually we end up with the ex-boyfriend preparing to elope with the daughter and Joan Crawford goes to his apartment and eventually just guns him down. Like, seriously. Like, just, like, shbang. He's, he's all trying to be kind of, 
like smooth and manipulative. He's like, I don't, I don't think he, and, and trying to kind of charmingly disarming with, I'll take my chances. I don't think you're that good a shot, blah, blah, blah. And he lunges for the gun and she totally nails him. Yeah, right she's in like, the gut. nails him in the gut. And then, bam, 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 <laughs> just, bam, just empties the gun into him. <laughs> Totally does. And then, you know, we were back in the psych ward and she's she's Because it was all a flashback. It's all a flashback and we're back in the psych ward and and she's she's screaming and going back into catatonia and you know, the doctor goes in into his office and the the patient ever patient husband is long suffering. The long suffering, very understanding husband is there and uh the movie ends with him holding her hand while she's just kind of catatonic she doesn't recognize him yet it's going to be a long road to recovery it's going to be a long road to recovery yeah but yeah there's while there is a murder Mm -hmm. and and other deaths beside um you know namely the wife the wife yeah that it's not necessarily a crime film it's all about this poor woman who is very mentally ill yes and you can you, you see the start of it early in the movie and you just see her gradual degradation into you know her problems like at one point uh she hallucinates a whole scene with the daughter and oh, even yeah. when the scene happens it's like this doesn't ring true that's really uh, weird that's i mean like no they were very chummy and now the daughter is attacking her and mm-hmm. she's and then she's like uh, admitting that she killed the wife and you're like no because i mean mean, even though this is a flashback that she's narrating the structure of the film is such that you come to realize that some things you need to accept is true Mm -hmm. and so you accept as true that when the wife died she was in town on her day off and she she was felt guilty that she wasn't there Mm -hmm. but it wasn't her fault and then suddenly she's like i killed her I killed her because I wanted to be with with the husband. And it's like, but no, that's, that's not, not true. true. Because we watched you when he said, marry me, turn around and be like, what the actual fuck? Yeah, it, 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 she literally is contradicting things you saw earlier in the movie. Yeah. And, and, you're, and you're, oh, yeah. okay. You, yeah. And so you can see how she starts to tell herself different stories and different things that she comes to believe. And then... And so you're like, oh, this poor woman, <laughs> she is so ill. And she goes to a doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, you're ill, but let's get you some help. And she's doing the classic thing of, no, you want to say I'm insane, but I know I'm ill. And then when she, after that happens, she goes back to her husband and wants to leave him because the, the, the real thing of it's not you, it's me. I'm sick and I don't want you to have to deal with me. Mm-hmm. I need to leave. But he's so nice to her. Yeah, he he is. Raymond Massey is just a darling man. He really he's, is. He's, he's, you get the sense that he's not terribly bright in like social situations, but he's you know he's he's a good guy. He's and a he, good guy. He's, he is he's faithful and he's he's very. Um, you know he, he's determined to make things good for her. And now that's very it. caring. He, he clearly has a problem where he likes to fall in love with crazy women. Well, yeah. yeah. Because the first wife was mentally unstable, and then he's like, I find you attractive. I'm going to completely ignore the part where you're imagining things, <laughs> and you hear voices. Yeah, there, there is a 
beautiful scene late in the movie where they return to the lake house where Joan Crawford cared for the, the now dead wife. And Joan Crawford is in the house pretty much alone. There's like a servant around, but she's warming up by the fire. She had just gotten in to the house and she hears the servant buzzer that she used to answer. And it keeps ringing and ringing. And as it keeps ringing, you you hear words in the yeah. buzzer. It's, it's like, really it's like, creepy. Like, Wendy and I are like, is it, t- is it speaking to us? It's, it's, a, it's, it's talking. It's saying words, isn't it? It's yeah. saying, saying stuff. I don't know what I was saying. But I it felt like good. some of them were go away. Yeah, maybe. It might have been. But I don't know for sure. But it very there was yeah. a definite like yes. added layer of audio there that was just creepy. Yeah, somebody had a vocoder. As the as the buzzer, and then you know she goes up into the room. That's good. That gets very um, film noir-y with the diagonal shadows and you know Joan Crawford's eyebrows and everything. Yeah, yeah. There there are some really nicely and and not creepy in a horror movie sort of way, but creepy in the oh this isn't going to go well sort of way. Yeah, and it's all about Joan Crawford's performance. I think. I think that's what is really remarkable remarkable about this movie, you know, as you were saying earlier, where she's she's just kind of charming and delightful and then and then something happens where her face hardens and and she get she gets that Joan Crawford look in her eye and you know shit's gonna the, go down. It's like the eyebrows engage and suddenly zing, you're like, Oh Yeah. Now she's gonna start chewing on things with that ginormous jaw of hers yeah it, it it's pr- it's really remarkable watching her performance there's a there's that moment where the husband she's she's like gone crazy pants she started lying to david and mm-hmm. to carol the daughter and even to the husband and they've all talked to each other and gotten the their, each other's story straight and the husband comes home and he's like why did you lie i felt like it and she's sort of staring off into space and then she gets mad at him and it's total, you know, Joan Crawford mode on. Mm-hmm. And then there comes a point where she looks up at him and she's like, he's like, I just want to help you. And she's like, oh, but yay, please do. I do need help. And her <laughs> face softens again. And he's like, I just want you to talk to the doctor. And she's like, and she's resisting because you just want to put me in the insane asylum. You just want to put me away. No, no, no. I just want you to talk. Oh, okay, okay. And then he leaves the room, and again, Joan Crawford mode engaged. (laughs) 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 And off she goes. (laughs) Just so great. And her shoulder pads, so big. (laughs) Oh, this woman was, I told Melissa, she was born at the exact right time. Her face and shoulder pads is a match made in heaven. You needed... You need shoulders that wide to offset that face. Yeah, she's like seven feet wide. In this movie. <laughs> yeah, some of those like, shoulder she pads. To, she has to turn sideways to go through doorways, sort of shoulder pads. I mean, it's they're just amazing. Enormous. <laughs> oh, so I mean, and some some of those, yeah, some nice detailing work. Anyway, but that's yeah, beside lo- lovely, the point. lovely costumes, lovely costumes. But I liked the characters. I liked. I liked that, like we talked about, that it's actually, I mean, for all that the psycho babble okay, <laughs> is delightfully yeah. out of date. Yeah, let's get let's get into the, the psychoses of this movie, because I found this really fascinating. Well, yeah, first off, there. it's the psychopathic ward. Yeah. 
which that's not a word we use. <laughs> not anymore, <laughs> anyway. I, it, it There's this fascinating dichotomy where you've got all this weird-ass psychobabble where I think... I, you know, part of it is they're trying really hard to make it, you know, grounded in science. And yet I don't think the screenwriters quite knew what they were talking about. And it's also quite possible that they didn't quite know what they were talking about in the 1940s either. Well, Wait, there's point, a little bit of that. She's sitting there. She's unresponsive. And the two medics are like, ah, oh, she's in a coma. And I'm like, no, no, that catatonia. That catatonia is very different. <laughs> And and so there seems to be a little bit of a mishmash of different things going on. In, it's in, oddly delightful. You yeah, find yourself sort yeah. of going, what did you just say? Yeah. No, that's what? What's mutosis? <laughs> <laughs> just because she can't talk doesn't mean she has mutosis. And, and like the way he described her must like waxy something. Yeah. Uh, uh, rigid, rigid, waxy flexibility or something. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> oh, interesting. But on the flip side of that, there is this really nice approach in general to mm. a person who's mentally ill. Because they, you know, when somebody says, so she's insane, it's like, well, we don't like to use that word, but, you know, that, I mean, that she's it, it, mentally ill. Um, there's also a nice scene with the doctor where he goes, yeah, if somebody breaks his leg, they take him to the hospital, but, you know, somebody is mentally ill, they just stick him in a closet somewhere until it's worse. And yeah, he, it's he, like, if if I had seen this woman years ago, I could have done something. If and five then, years ago, I could I have prevented this. Even a year ago, I probably could have helped her. Yeah. And, but she's broke. Yeah. And, and it's... And then he goes on to talk about, you know, how they're wired differently and it makes and they set up patterns and because they're wired differently they're getting the wrong feedback and then it eventually leads to a break mm -hmm. and i'm like this is actually really progressive mm -hmm. yeah that and it's that's pretty good and he's like yeah she can come back i can help her but it's going to be a long time and it's going to be a lot of work and she's going to go through a lot of pain. And then Raymond Massey is so delightfully, I'll be there for her. And and he's there holding her hand right at the end. And it's so delightful. Um, something that's really interesting about this time period in film, there were a, a few movies where, you know, like this, um, there are a lot of parallels between this movie and a movie called Caged, which uh, takes place in a women's prison. That You've mentioned has, that one before. Yeah, and, and we are definitely going to watch Caged for this this uh, podcast. And uh, there's also a movie called Shock Corridor, which, if I remember right, was a few years after this. Um, some very progressive movies being made about mentally ill people or people who are on the wrong side of the justice system. And, you know, it's like, we're... These people need help. And we're not doing right by them. So it's um, it, it's nice to see a movie like that. That's not just trying to cash in on, ooh, Joan Crawford is crazy. Look at her be crazy. It, it, it's actually fairly sympathetic, too. And even everybody who's yeah. dealing with her, I will say, when they realize that she's not okay, you can watch them immediately change in how they're dealing with her. Uh -huh. Even even the ex-boyfriend in the final scene. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, Oh, 
you're you're ill. I'm going to get you some help. Oh, shit. Now you're holding a gun on me. And what's <laughs> fun there is that once the gun comes out, he reverts back to his normal personality, mm-hmm. which isn't helpful. <laughs> I want I want to talk about Van Heflin for a moment. I, I um, you know, Van Heflin, uh, actor I really like. It, you know, he was in Shane and the original 310 to Yuma, which was fantastic. There's a noir film, it, noir set as a Western. Um, I really enjoyed and hated and loved and hated his character in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's a really well-rounded character. It's a fascinating character because he's 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 witty, he's charming, he's a skis ball, but you know, he's kind of honest about being a skis ball, but it But then again, this... you don't know cuz yeah. every interaction you see with him is with his crazy ex. Uh-huh. And so on the one hand, he's kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, we know that she has not that he has been giving hints prior to the breakup scene that we see. Yeah. About look, this is not I'm not in it for the long haul. That's not what this relationship is. And there does come a point with with the really clingy ones where at some point you just turn mean cuz they're not Yeah. Cuz anytime you're nice to them, they think that that must mean you love them. No, yeah, you, you have to rip off the band-aid. Yeah. And and then just be firm and say we're done and he does that and it's not enough for her and it's mostly not enough for her because she has some wearing that's gone loose in her brain and she is stuck in a loop yes you we also see him um interacting with daughter and um you know without you know at first without uh Joan Crawford around, and he's kind of that same charming skeezball character. Yeah, really, really disdainful, really distant, hip and cool. Mm-hmm. And then you can see that they're attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. And and she's the the daughters playing with it pretty well. And you know they're they're literally at this dance club talking about, oh, if we get married, you know, you know, what do you think about this this age difference i don't know about and he goes i don't know about it. and she goes well you know you know i figure after we've been married for a while i'll look 27 and it won't be that much of a difference anyway you know? and, <laughs> so she's and joking so, about how you're gonna age me you're gonna you're gonna yeah. drive me nuts yeah and and so it's like she's walking in with i mean she's got that that puppy dog sort of adoration for him but you can tell she's also she knows what he is she knows what he is she she and, and has a pretty good idea. She might she, be too young to be able to really handle it well, but she's going in with at least a hint of a hint the, of knowing what he is. On the other side, he does truly love her. Yeah, and you can see in the way he talks to her and the way he looks at her, uh, he's sort of bemused by, "I didn't think this is what I wanted." And he's she's like, "Well, you know, that's not what boyfriends do." And he's like. It feels really weird to be called a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. She's like, I hate to tell you this, but I kind of been figuring we've been engaged for the last month. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't say no. He doesn't back yeah. off. He's like, yeah, that's kind of what's happening. I guess we're getting married. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, and so he's being very honest about this is taking me by surprise. This is not what I thought I wanted, but. I guess it is. I really, I, I'm in love with you. And she's like, yep, you're kind of a jerk. I like that about you. 
I think we'll get along well. And then you can tell that they probably are going to get along well. So, yeah, it's an interesting character. It's very realistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's got a really nice combination of... It's got layers. Like yeah. an onion. You know? And then there's... I was, I was telling Melissa, Raymond Massey will always and forever be... Boris Karloff lookalike from Arsenic and Old Lace. The first, every, oh, yeah. I can't not see that when I look at him because it's one of the first films I imprinted on him of that's Raymond Massey mm-hmm. looking like Boris Karloff playing a psycho killer in Arsenic and Old Lace. And so as he's, you know, lurking around in this movie in his <laughs> lanky, lanky way with his deep voice and he's being totally sweet and warm and charming, but I can't. Keep expecting him to suddenly turn psycho killer. I'm like, oh no, that's not what he's going to do in this movie. He's he's actually the good guy. Oh, he's so good at it. I kind of like him better as a psycho killer. <laughs> <laughs> Raymond Massey's just a delight. He is. He smile the way he smiles at her. His eyes light up, and mm-hmm. you see that he truly does love this woman and just wants to help her. Maybe he feels like this one he can actually help since he couldn't help his ex-wife, the first wife, the, mm-hmm. the suicide wife. <laughs> suicide wife. Suicide wife uh, as opposed to um, uh, schizophrenic wife. Mm-hmm. Right? She's yeah. different. First wife was probably depressive. Possibly manic depressive. Well, no, she had her, like, you're sleeping with my husband thing. Yeah, she had, she had a healthy dose of paranoia. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I wanted to point out, yeah. did you notice that the son went upstairs for a story and never came back down yeah it's like <laughs> the the sun vanished early even, in the movie it's like even oh, from the narrative they don't even like like send him off to school or anything yeah, they, just, they just they just stop talking they about just him. drop boom and done with that character nope no more young kid it's like go i'll read you a story he comes back down hey will you marry me yeah i guess good we don't need a son anymore <laughs> yeah. It's like they got sent out into the cornfield or something. I mean, it's just... It's oh, so true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and this, I wanted to mention for the podcast, uh, the scene where Joan Crawford goes to talk to the daughter. The last time you saw the daughter was right after the mother's suicide. And the mother had written to her, and the daughter didn't realize how mentally ill her mother was. Mm-hmm. And the mother had written to her saying... This nurse is sleeping with your father and I can see the way he looks at her and she's scheming and blah, 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 because she was super crazy. Mm-hmm. And none of that was actually true at that time. Mm-hmm. That That is totally not what was going on. But the daughter read this. And so when she meets Joan Crawford right after the suicide, she's like, I know what you are. Oh, uh, I can't. And well, your father's asked me to stay on to take care of your your little brother. Well, of course. And of course you're going to do it because you're just scheming for him. I hate you. (laughs) So now almost a year has passed and the father actually does propose. And she very quickly goes, your daughter's not going to be happy about this. (laughs) He's like, I don't care. I love you and I want to marry you and we'll figure that out later. So she goes up to talk to the daughter and the daughter is being very cool towards her. But then the daughter admits I talked to my mother's doctor and he told me things that I didn't know. And I know that that was not true and I should have apologized sooner. And 
but I'm still not happy about you marrying my dad. And Joan Crawford handles her beautifully. Oh, and so absolutely. In, in that scene, you can see the that this woman, when she is clear and coherent, that she's a very likable and delightful and lovable person. Why David would have been attracted to her. Why mm-hmm. the Raymond Massey character has been attracted to her. And she's so warm and loving with her. She's And she's like, look, your father's lonely. You're not there because you haven't been talking to him. You've been angry. And so, of course, he's going to turn to me. But I'm not going to come between you. So if it's going to be a choice, you have to be in his life. And if I'm in his life and you won't be because of me, then I'm not going to marry him. Mm -hmm. Well, but then my dad will be mad. And she's like, that's the way it's got to be. It's just such a pity if it was a great line. It's such a pity if we had met just a few days sooner or several months later, mm-hmm. we could have been friends. And she walks out and the daughter thinks about it, starts to crumble. And is like, wait, wait, wait. And mm-hmm. then they become friends. And it's really a great scene. It is. It is. It's and then the, she and the daughter have a very good relationship together. Mm-hmm. And then she goes crazy. Oh, so sad. So sad. Poor, jo- yeah. poor Joan. Yeah. Poor, poor Joan. I never thought I'd say that about thought. Joan Crawford. I know. <laughs> Joan Crawford, who is notorious for being very difficult to work with and be around. Yeah. So, so dear listeners, I have not brought out, I have not gone heavy on the trivia this week because uh, I've been working a lot and uh, I didn't have time to prepare. But I do promise to bring out the big guns. Next week. Next week, which is when we see Mildred Pierce. Oh, yeah. Which means Joan Crawford's going to be back. And that's when we bring out the Joan Crawford trivia. Yes. We will have plenty of time for that. There's some quotable quotes. I'm going to have to work on my Joan Crawford voice. That woman had a voice. Oh, yeah, she did. But, yeah, I am not surprised to hear that she was perhaps forceful, maybe even downright bitchy. Because of the theory of physiognomy, right? <laughs> the theory of physiognomy. Is, is that what it's called? Is that the right term? I'll no double idea. check that. But the whole thing of like your personality suits your physical appearance, right? Oh, God, I'm fucked. Well, except that Joan Crawford is like, <laughs> I'll have to look. I have to make sure I'm using the right term. So I'll, I'll look that up for next week, too. <laughs> but that theory of. Oh, look, you're fat. Therefore, you must be jolly. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. Oh, I'm the, so fucked. Oh, you're, you're little and dainty. You must be so, you know, delightful. <laughs> oh, you're, you're large and imposing. Therefore, you are mean and forceful. Right? That whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That face, that face was meant to be direct, imposing, forceful, bitchy. <laughs> Those eyebrows. <laughs> I only thought they came in bitch mode, but apparently after this movie, they also come in sweet mode. Mm-hmm. I'm very impressed, Joan. I didn't know that yeah. about you. She had range. She, it's she funny. Was, she was well regarded. For as being as really difficult to work with as she apparently was, she still got cast in a lot of, a lot of parts, which probably attests the amount of talent she had. She, well, in that voice. Yeah. But she did. It's funny, the movies that I've seen her in, she's been just in bitch mode mm-hmm. or. Which or, she does so well. Or, um, I did, I mean, Baby Jane is completely different, but that's more towards mm-hmm. her, the later part of her career. Um, or where she's, if not the bitch, then she's the strong, powerful woman who's 
you know, against all odds sort of thing. Yeah. So I've never seen her in a more ingenue role. And so I've always been like, I don't understand how she was an ingenue. How does that face ever look soft and sweet? And now I'm like, oh, like that. Mm hmm. Now, granted, some of it was lighting and camera angles <laughs> <laughs> and hair yeah, and, and hair. hair. Yeah. Because they there were definite different hairstyles based on the mood they were wanting to convey. Like it would be more off her face and soft. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. But then when they wanted her to be a little bit more crazy, it would be more down on her forehead and around her face and a lot more like a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> like she was going into battle with her eyebrows as the primary artillery, but her jaw as the battering ram. Jaw. Mm. Ah. <laughs> All right. So anyway. Oh, uh, yes. So Joan Crawford was a revelation. Yes. And that I, was a heck of a thing to see. I really enjoyed it. It's a nice entry in the psychological drama. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I did. I, I was did. thoroughly captivated. Yeah. Listeners, seriously, seek it out. It's a... Uh, it's rare that it gets screened, yeah. but I'm sure you could probably find it yeah. to rent somewhere. Yeah. It it is Warner Brothers, so um it's I haven't looked. It's possible it might be in the Warner archives, if not oh, anywhere else. That's good. So dear listeners, please track down uh possessed. Nineteen forty seven. Nineteen forty seven. Not the nineteen thirty one. Although also, that one's fun as well. But um also has Joan Crawford. <laughs> it also has Joan Crawford. That one has So Clark don't Gable. go walking yeah. in and say possessed with Joan Crawford, because there are two of them. Because there are two of them. So go find Possessed and also track down Mildred Pierce because that's what we're talking about next time. Yay! Thank you, say, dear listeners. Thank you. We hope you enjoy our film fixation. We'll see you next time on a noir education. Thank you for joining us for a real education noir. New episodes arrive on the 7th and 21st of every month. Please visit our website at r-e-e-l-e-d-u-n-o-i-r dot com. Once there, you can comment on our episodes, as well as find links to our feeds on iTunes, Twitter, and Facebook. Special thanks to Tim Wick, Jeffrey Brown, and Chad Dutton for our theme music. If you like our show, you might also like our parent podcast, A Real Education, which discusses all genres of film. You can find it on the web at r-e-e-l-e-d-u dot com. Thank you for listening. Until next time. I love you is such an inadequate way of saying I love you.